Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch, brought to you today by Ritual Multivitamins. And we have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And Jim, we're starting what might be described as a bit of a series here in our good martini. You and I were just talking before we started about how we don't expect a ton of good news uh, coming down the pike here once Democrats control everything in Washington. And one of the things we talked about on Wednesday's podcast was that we need to find something to unite around on the right. That's kind of a fractured voting block that just went through the the 2020 election. And now that President Trump will not be president, what uh, is there going to be as a major uniting factor? And we said it's going to be good ideas, good conservative ideas. And uh, we're going to be going through a number of them over time. It's not necessarily going to be a daily issue, but uh, we want to get to as many as we can in the coming weeks and months. So let's start with one that was a big issue for for President Trump. It's a big concern uh, in, in terms of our economy. Uh, in terms of the virus that we're still dealing with, uh, in terms of intellectual property. I don't want to steal all your thunder, but obviously we're talking about China. How do we deal with them with with trade, national security, their military ambitions? There's a lot of different uh, challenges being posed by China. What's the conservative way to address them? Yeah, well, I mean, Joe Biden has just taken the, uh, or is about to take the, the reins of the presidency. And he has insisted and his team has insisted that they do not intend to roll over for China. This is not a return to the status quo, that this is not too many things have happened in the past few years between the United States and China to go back to the Obama Biden. And you might even go back to say Bill Clinton status quo of China is our partner in prosperity and and we're never going to make too much of an issue with them. In a corner post, I lay out all the different options that have been put forth, mostly by congressional uh, Republicans, all of whom have been supported by Senator Tom Cotton. I was responding to a uh, snide little line in The Economist that dismissed him as, you know, his view as feverish xenophobia. And I went back and there's got to be at least a good dozen different options about what that he has proposed in Congress, from more sanctions on Chinese officials involved in the crackdown to Hong Kong, ending China's permanent most favored nation status, the prompting Chinese, if you're a Chinese company and you're owned in any part by the Chinese government, he wants you to register under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Greg, you know, that's the, the uh, what uh, Senator, former Senator Barbara Boxer just registered <laughs> under, just for perspective on that stuff. Uh, inviting the president of Taiwan to address Congress. I mean, there's like a good 15 different pieces of legislation. And the thing I'd like to see Republicans do is say, okay, Joe Biden, you guys say you don't want to roll over for China. You do recognize that there needs to be greater confrontation, not with them. Their human rights record is unacceptable. Their abuse of U.S. intellectual property is unacceptable. Here's a list of options. Pick some. You don't have to pick all of them. We understand you're not going to pick, you know, but, but if you look at all of these options and you say you can't find anything in the Tom Cotton congressional Republican approach to China that you can find say, yes, that is a good countermeasure. That is a good way. Um, You know, restricting Chinese students' abilities to study in STEM fields, keeping Huawei technologies on the Chinese commerce trade blacklist, uh, expanding the U.S. uh, military's presence in the Indo-Pacific region to uh, make sure they don't get frisky about Taiwan. 
there's a whole list of options there. And if Joe Biden likes any, you know, any of them, good. We've now got a bipartisan agreement that we can't treat China as just another country. That the way they treat others, the way they treat their own citizens, the way that they have handled the coronavirus pandemic, all of these things, the crappy uh, personal protective equipment that they shipped out to the rest of the entire world, and as I wrote yesterday in the corner, oh, by the way, their vaccine is 50.4% effective. You like those odds, Craig? No, that's an F where I come from. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a little bit better than a coin toss. It's, it's not even Sex Panther cologne level effectiveness <laughs> uh, for those who've seen Anchorman. You know, there needs to be this sea change in U.S. views towards, the, towards uh, China. Will, they, will this occur? I'd like to think it's happened. I'm skeptical. Um, by the way, I expect a very similar uh, watering down of the anti-Russia rhetoric we've seen from Democrats over the last four years, in part because I think Democrats did not oppose Russia did not oppose Trump because he was too close to Russia. Democrats opposed Russia because it was too close to Trump, uh, is, is kind of my perspective on this. So if, if, Republic, if Democrats really do want to get tough on Russia, I'm fine with that too. But I want to see you guys genuinely do it, and my suspicion is, is that uh, they will not necessarily go forward with this. Um, I think, just speaking more broadly, about as, uh, as we try to climb out of the pit that the coronavirus pandemic has put us in, uh, I think the first thing Joe Biden wants to do is a big, uh, basically another big relief package. We just passed one, but he decided it wasn't big enough and he wants to see an even larger one. And with a Democratic House and a Democratic, uh, you know, non- very narrow, but democratically controlled Senate, he's likely to get it. So Republicans may not have the votes to block anything, but I do want Republicans to say, okay, we have seen this just absolutely crush small businesses from, from one coast to the other. Can we, if whatever reform package, whatever next package is coming down the, the pike, can we do something to prioritize the small businessmen who've lost everything and who are now, who've had to declare bankruptcy, who've had to start from square one again? Can we get them back? Are there a possibility to give them loans? Because like all these small businesses that crashed over the past year, it's not there's anything inherently wrong with the business. It's that state regulations came along and said, you can't have you can only have 50% of your, your uh, people who are usually in a restaurant or bar, in some cases 25%. And in some parts of the country, they were closed off completely. Now, again, that's not a business failure. It's not a failure of the free market. That's the government coming in and saying, no, you're not allowed to keep your business open. And we've thrown money out the door trying to keep these places open. And I think it was generally a good idea. I would have been fine with speed. I would have been fine with uh, careful vetting or both. Uh, so, you know, both would have been, probably would have been impossible. We ended up getting neither, which is the statement. So now that we are vaccinating people, we're starting to climb out of this, maybe we can have a little more scrutiny and maybe we can have a little more effort to make sure that this genuinely goes to the small businesses who have been hit the hardest by this instead of letting this turn into corporate welfare. Um, those are the stuff at the top of my head, Greg. And this is still, you know, not even getting up to, you know, look, there's going to be an effort to move, push uh, federal policies in a more pro-abortion direction. Republicans got to hold the line on that to the best they can. Uh, the Second Amendment, the you know, Biden administration is playing with fire if they think that this is going to be you know, a popular or positive direction to move in. We'll see if they do anything on that. You know, you're, you're going to be on defense for the next two years, and it's frustrating, but that's what happens when you lose the presidency. That's what happens when you lose the House, and that's what happens when you had a really good chance to hold on to at least a narrow Senate majority, and you bobble it in a pair of Senate runoffs in Georgia. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Jim. You bring up a lot of good points there, obviously. But uh, in terms of how the Democrats will look at Russia now, uh, I remember that they were very upset 
with uh, how George W. Bush dealt with the Russians because he uh, scrapped the, was it the ABM Treaty and a couple of other uh, nuclear issues. And so then they sent Hillary Clinton over with the reset button. That was very exciting. And then uh, Obama, of course, in 2012 will have more flexibility after the election. And uh, and then, of course, he had the 2016 controversy and then Russia became the bad guy. So the left being consistently tough on Moscow has not been one of their hallmarks. Uh, when it comes to China, I honestly don't know the answer to this question, Jim, but I think I do. Did Joe Biden have much of anything to say about the crackdown in Hong Kong? I seem to remember maybe a tweet or two. Of course, the media didn't bother to ask him much because, you know, that might be considered a slightly challenging question. So um, I know he's kind of said the right things, but uh, given his statements in the past, I guess the proof will be in what he actually does. Yeah, I mean, the problem with the Biden administration will very rarely be that they will say the wrong thing. The problem will be that they will say the right thing in a very pro forma, check the box kind of way. They'll, they'll, they'll issue a statement. I expect Jake Sullivan will offer not just two tisks, Greg, not just tis tisk, but maybe even a tis tis tisk in response to China's crackdown. Uh, the question will be action. The question will be real consequences. And my sneaking suspicion is that uh, there are a lot of people who'd like to look like they're being tough on China without actually doing anything that disrupts the apple cart so much. And I think that's, you know, holding their feet to the fire will be the real effort for Republicans here. And I think one in which public opinion will be significantly in their direction. The, you know, we, from everything from the, the, you know, Disney and the, the Mulan movie to the NBA, you know, we can see, this is an issue that resonates with people. People don't like being on the same side as China. A lot of people who really, very few people are willing to give a full-throated defense of China. And the fact that they're not willing to do that is an indicator that deep down in their guts, they know that it's wrong. So getting America to stand up and actually do the right thing, not just say the right thing, but to actually put teeth behind it is a major uh, challenge in the coming years. Jim, I'm so disappointed to hear that you're thinking that they might actually say the right thing most of the time. The one thing I'm looking forward to in a Biden administration is him constantly saying the wrong thing. Uh, but but <laughs> well, hopefully it, it could be incoherent. <laughs> <laughs> but but Biden will very rarely be willing to say China's a, China's swell. I mean, maybe he will. They're not bad folks, folks. They're not bad folks. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> These guys aren't going to eat our lunch. You know. Well, we're going to need to uh, be ready to, to combat a lot of terrible ideas and maybe get some good ideas done here in the next couple of years. And for that, you're going to need to be at uh, your tip-top shape in terms of your health. And that's where Ritual Multivitamins can come in. But do you really know what's in most multivitamins? A lot of them have sugars, GMOs, synthetic fillers, artificial colors, not to mention really bizarre animal byproducts like sheep's wool, great in sweaters, maybe not in multivitamins, and gelatin from hooves and hides are all ingredients you could find, but not at Ritual, because it's not your typical multivitamin. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly formula is made with key nutrients and forms that your body can actually use with no shady extras. I just ordered my Ritual multivitamins, looking forward to getting them soon and making sure that I'm at tip-top shape heading into 2021. Rituals designed with different life stages in mind. So it's now available for women, men, teens, and ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. And it makes healthy habits easy. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription at any time. And if you don't love ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. You simply deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's pretty simple. And that's why Ritual is offering three martini lunch listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash martini to start your ritual today. 
All right, Jim, you mentioned a moment ago that elections have consequences. You talked about some of the things the Democrats will try to do, particularly with uh, COVID relief and maybe some other key issues. And guess what's happening on the Senate Budget Committee now that Democrats will be in charge soon? Not yet, but soon, uh, once Harris is VP and once the the winners of the Georgia Senate races are seated, Bernie Sanders is going to be chairman of the Senate Budget Committee. And he did an interview with the New York Times, and apparently he's going to be trotting out reconciliation, which means you don't need 60 uh, votes to uh, break the filibuster. You only need a simple majority on a lot of different issues. So uh, buckle up, everybody. He says in the interview with the Times, I believe that the crisis is of enormous severity and we've got to move as rapidly as we can. Underlied the word aggressive, he said. Start out there. And then uh, the New York Times story says, despite Democrats' narrow control of the Senate, Mr. Sanders is expected to exert heavy influence over taxes, health care, climate change, and several other domestic issues. That is because his role as budget chairman will give him control over a little-known but incredibly powerful congressional tool that allows certain types of legislation to win Senate approval with just a simple majority. That tool, a budget mechanism called reconciliation, allows Congress to move some legislation without gaining 60 votes. And Jim, I'm not an expert on reconciliation, but I believe there needs to be a tax provision for that to be eligible. But you can squeeze a meaningless tax into just about anything to try and use it. So, uh, I mean, Bernie Sanders is going to shoot for the socialist moon here, and uh, hopefully we can knock most of this stuff back. Yeah. I mean, in light of what I said earlier about the, uh, you know, the passage of certainly the COVID, a second COVID relief, or maybe we're up to four or five at this point, uh, being the top Biden priority, uh, you know, Democrats are getting a lot of what they want in that one. The votes are going to be there. I don't think you can count on Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema blocking that. Um, we shouldn't overstate the power of the Senate Budget Committee. Mike Enzi has been the chairman of the Senate Budget Committee since 2015, until very recently his term ended in, on January 3rd. I think it's safe to say we didn't have a, a tight-fisted federal budget during that stretch uh, either. Uh, unfortunately, having a conservative Republican or even a nominally conservative Republican uh, chairing this committee does not guarantee that federal spending is going to be reduced. By the way, before that, even other previous Republicans, Judd Gregg, who was a Republican in New Hampshire, and Don Nichols of Oklahoma, um, back before then it was Pete Domenici. We, we've had some, some Republicans who at least talked a good game about controlling spending in this particular position before. And Republican. The federal budget pretty much went up year after year, regardless of what was going on. That said, Bernie Sanders in charge of this committee doesn't mean he's going to have complete control over the budget process, but he'll have a lot of influence over it. And it's no reason to think that many uh, other Democrats on this committee are going to, you know, uh, hold the line and uh, oppose Sanders all that vehemently. So we could be seeing some massive spending bills coming down the pike. It will be, you know, up to Republicans to try to unite and, and hold the line on this, probably try to filibuster it where they can. But you know, this would be a lot easier if we had more than 50 Republican senators, Greg. It sure would. And it looks like, at least according to the way the, the committee lineup is right now, is that Pat Leahy will be Appropriations Committee chairman. And that's who really decides uh, where a lot of this money gets spent. But of course, you know, that's if we actually went through the, the budget and spending process normally instead of throwing a massive multi-trillion dollar bill at lawmakers with an hour to read a 2,000 page piece of legislation and say, here, we're not cynical at all. Not at all. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, 
There are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next. Well, if you think that's depressing and crazy, let's talk about Don Lemon. Don well, if you think that's depressing and crazy, let's talk about Don Lemon. Don Lemon, of course, is an anchor over on CNN Primetime. He follows Chris Cuomo, and there's a little uh, back and forth that they do kind of late in Cuomo's hour where Lemon, I, I think, is supposed to preview what's coming up, but usually they end up getting sidetracked on to something else. And Don Lemon this week has decided, Jim, that if you supported Trump in any way, you didn't have to storm the Capitol. You didn't even have to uh, attend that rally that day or any rally. If you just voted for him, you are throwing in with Nazis and white supremacists and the absolute dregs of society. And you know this because Cuomo prompted him all along the way here. Listen to this. Principal people, conservative or liberal, never on the Klan side. Principal people, conservative or liberal, never on the Nazi side. Principal people who are conservative or liberal, never on the side, that treats their, their fellow Americans as less than, that says that your fellow Americans should not exist, that, said your, that says your fellow Americans should be in a concentration camp, or that sides with slavery, or sides with any sort of bigotry. Right, and if they Principal, say, I don't agree with those people, I just like Trump's policy. Well, then get out of the crowd with him. Get out of the crowd. I wasn't in the crowd. I just voted for Trump. You're in the crowd who voted for Trump. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. You voted for the person who the alt-right supports. That's the crowd that you are in. Jim, there are so many adjectives we could use to describe this. It's dead wrong. It's despicable. And it's certainly irresponsible. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of wish... CNN, which is short for Cable News Network, would change its name because the word news in there implies some reporting. <laughs> you can argue whether it implies objective or fair and balanced, as some other network says. And for a long time, people have argued, both, you know, mostly supporters of Fox News, people who are generally friendly to them will point out, look, there's a difference between Brett Baer and back when Brit Hume was anchoring special report and, and you know, the, the daytime news reporting group versus the Fox primetime crew of Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson. That, you know, some post folks are, those folks are opinion and analysis hosts. They're not news anchors. Don't hold them to the standards you'd expect for, you know, uh, straight down the middle news anchors. I don't know if that's a fair complaint. Last night, Sean Hannity was complaining about uh, Liz Cheney and, and just ripping into her with a lot more anger than he's ever shown at Donald Trump for anything he did January 6th. And there's a good portion of, of anger and dudgeon and the likes of Brian Stelzer, like, you know, can you believe you know, Fox News said this? Is what Don Lemon and the dumber of the two Cuomos um, <laughs> It's a it's a judgment call. I, I get if you if you want to dispute that's argue, they're probably the most disputable thing I've ever said on this podcast. Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon like they're they're not news anchors at this point. Like if, if Don Lemon is running around saying that if you voted for Trump you're morally indistinguishable from the Klan and Nazis and all that, I don't you know there are a lot of words that I can't use on this podcast that I could use to describe what he just said. It ain't news. 
right? That's not calling balls and strikes. That's not, you know, going through and just saying, here's what happened today. This is Don Lemon getting up on a soapbox and saying, here's what I think of all you people. And oh, by the way, we've seen Don Lemon do this plenty of times. We've seen Chris Cuomo do this plenty of times. If you know, and that's fine. If you want to turn this into the, you know, the, here's what Don Lemon thinks hour, or here's what Chris Cuomo thinks hour. Yes, dear listeners, I probably should make air quotes when I say thinks. Fine. That, that's, you know, if you want to turn them into the equivalent of Hannity or Tucker Carlson, fine. Go ahead and do that. And, but recognize that and say, this isn't really a news program anymore. This is an opinion and analysis program. Uh, it's no different from the O'Reilly factor and all these other things that CNN for a long time acted like they were way better than. They would never dip into that stuff. The, you know, the closest they would get to was Larry King insisting, what's your favorite way of having oatmeal? You know, Dubuque, Iowa, you're on the, you're on the air, you know, that stuff. CNN has really declined in the Trump era. Uh, Trump has, you know, brought, the problem is not just that Trump is bad, which I think he is. I know there are a lot of listeners who don't agree with that. What's really bad is that Trump also brings out the worst in everybody else. And I don't think the country is really helped by Don Lemon kind of getting that, you know, self-righteous heroin rush of, oh, doesn't it feel good to say that we are good and those who voted differently than us, why they're the Klan and all that stuff. I mean, you know, look, I don't like the you can't pursue impeachment because 74 million people voted for him argument. Lots of people voted for Richard Nixon, too. Lots of people voted for Bill Clinton, too. Right? The idea that you want a whole bunch of votes doesn't make you immune from uh, impeachment. But on the other hand, you can't necessarily say to all those 74 million people, you are morally culpable for the president's actions because they voted for him, but they didn't necessarily you know, sign off on every little decision that Trump has done. Of those 74 million people, I bet you 70-some million <laughs> would like the president to behave differently. That at some point in the past four years, they've seen something he's said, something he's tweeted, something he's done, where they've said, oh, God, Mr. President, I wish you hadn't done that. So let's not paint with that broad a brush. Don Lemon, Chris Cuomo, like, but I guess this gives, them, this gives them ratings. And at the end of the day, if that's all CNN stands for, fine. But be honest about it. Don't pretend that you're, you know, helping inform the public and a vital part of our democracy and the fourth estate and all that stuff. At that point, you're a carnival barker. And, you know, that's fine. I, I've, I've never really thought that much more of Don Lemon or Chris Cuomo. But Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo and Zucker and everybody else who's running CNN should just be honest and recognize they've now devolved to the level of Carnival Barkers. You see it with, uh, you know, some folks on Fox News as well. But it's just fascinating how uh, all these folks spend so much more time uh, demonizing their opponents instead of explaining why people who don't agree with them should. Can you imagine uh, an actual argument, not the crazy banter in their on their TV interviews of the Cuomo brothers, if they're really, really mad at each other uh, because Chris Cuomo gets gets really, really red in the face. And, you know, Andrew would obviously get very loud. What are you talking about? And, uh, you know, then mom has to settle it. Well, this is why news organizations generally don't have their employees interview their brothers. <laughs> Right. I mean, you know, I, I could ask my brother a whole bunch of questions. I could have a really hostile interview with my brother, but uh, I love him, you know, but but that sets uh, like I probably wouldn't be a great objective assessor of anything he's done in his career, whether it's, you know, working with WWE. Yes, my brother did work for WWE um, or any or the current teaching he's doing in, in New Jersey and stuff like that. In most places, that'd be like the first thing that the editor would say, no, you can't. We're assigning the story to somebody else. There's an interesting question of whether anybody else said, how many people at CNN really want to put together, like imagine a really tough report that makes Andrew Cuomo look like an incompetent doofus? 
Because if they did, like, what's the next staff meeting like? It's got to be somebody who's not based in New York, I would guess, because uh, that could be that could be awkward. Because we know Chris Cuomo never flies off the handle when people criticize him to his face. That's, <laughs> that's definitely. Well, yeah, some of these things might be genetic, Greg. <laughs> Jim, ah, hopefully we're making some progress here. See you tomorrow. It'll be Friday for real. Yeah, see, see you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks again to our sponsors, Ritual.com slash Martini. Also, uh, thanks for your kind reviews and for your five-star ratings. Uh, and also, uh, make sure you subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and we'll see you on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.